right, guys. Welcome back to the 443 Podcast. Me, Reese, and Paco are here on this beautiful New Year's Eve morning after a painful day for me. But uh, Reese, kick us off. Where are we going first? Happy New Year's, guys. Uh, No better way to start the weekend than covering Chelsea, loot in town. We don't have a big review uh, for a certain game this week, guys, simply because... The big game is going to be tomorrow on New Year's and Day for Newcastle. You're going Bulls. to California. And I'm enjoying my vacation. A much-deserved one. I... Well, we'll cover that one when we get back. But uh, <laughs> sure. So we're doing Chelsea Luton. Uh, yes, Chelsea won 3-2. to two. Yes. Reese, uh, I wasn't able to watch but parts of this game. Walk me through your emotions on this one. Because it seemed like I thought it was done. And you were like, no. And it wasn't done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just know my Chelsea team too well, man. Uh, I woke up. About 30 minutes into the game, and by that point, I believe, uh, yeah, Cole Palmer had already scored. Yeah, one so. goal, and then Mondrake scored right after that. Madueke. Yeah, Madueke. Uh, but he... Uh, oh, that is a way better way to say it. <laughs> Nody Madueke said a best post-game. He said, um, that's why they call him Cold Palmer. In it, blood. In it, blood. <laughs> In it? Yeah. Um, he was uh, our, our man of the match, of course, uh, for the first half. Uh, I'd say Chelsea had their, uh, a great first half again, and then the second half came again, and we had uh, we although we scored, Cole Palmer had probably our goal of the season so far with a beautiful uh, roll by the goalie, took on another defender, another defender. And I scored. saw that courtesy yeah. of NBC Sports. Yeah, they were loving that goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, in terms of Chelsea, man, there's there's some sort of adjustment process, or they struggle to adjust uh, from the first half to the second half. Uh, they come out lackadaisical. They come out expecting the team to play their opponents to play the same as they did in the first half, which is just pretty much never going to happen, especially when you go into the half with a lead. Um, or especially when you go up against this Luton town at home. Exactly. Now, I was ready. If we were going to beat Luton 3-0 and that was going to be the end of the scoreline, I was ready to say, why is nobody giving us our credit for beating Luton away? Because as we discussed mm-hmm. uh, a week or two ago, we labeled Luton town's home ground a cauldron. Yep. Uh, but... The usual Chelsea formatted out, and Ross Barkley absolutely destroyed us. Um, he dominated the midfield. He dominated their attack. And when they scored, um, when he scored that header, Matt's like, "It's still done." I'm like, mm, "I don't know because at no, that- I didn't know that they had scored until um, I came back at 80, 87 after the 87 minute because when I came back it was three to two. Oh, okay. And it was in stoppage time. I think I came back in the late, the mid to late nineties. Gotcha. Yeah, because um, and I was like, oh no, you were right because <laughs> I saw that when I turned it switched over to that game, Luton was on the attack. Yeah, and and Ross Barkley had a goal disallowed a little bit earlier in that game as well, and he just absolutely destroyed us. Now, um, in terms Old of man Ross, yeah. <laughs> What I think Chelsea fans and, and fans of the media struggle to grasp with Chelsea is the problem isn't the players, the problem isn't the managers, the problem is experience. And for example, when we had that four game stretch, when we played Spurs, Arsenal City, Newcastle, all back to back to back to back, they were able to adjust because they were those were constant big games. What they struggled to adjust with was, was going from Newcastle, whoever they played in that last tough stretch, to Wolves. Uh, which Wolves, who are in flying form, they're a mid-table side. They couldn't uh, maybe adjust to what how Wolves play versus those other big Not six to mention teams. that lapse of concentration against Brentford. Yep, exactly. Because they had that game pretty much done, and then you're pr- it was see, undone. You're proving my point. They, they, they're able to beat these. They're able to compete with these bigger sides, these these tables, to, these teams towards the top of the top of the league. But they struggle against these mid to lower table teams because they don't know how to adjust from game to game in these play styles that they play with. So, uh, But outside of that, I thought this was a huge three points for us, regardless of how they got it, because this is now back-to-back wins. We finally won away. Um, hopefully they can just continue this form for Luton. I think it's a dust-off game. Uh, they they managed to come back 3-2, to two, good for the points differential, so they're only still one. Mm-hmm. one yeah. As somebody who wants Luton to stay up, I thought that was a crucial thing. Yeah. Once I knew they were gonna they were going to lose, I'm glad they were able to not so, do negative were, three. Yeah. They salvaged themselves mm-hmm. with the goal differential yeah. for sure, uh, which will be key because this race is getting yeah, it's good. The teams above them are all starting to bunch up, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah. But, um, nah, man, what were your final thoughts on this one? Because I yeah. thought it was a great Chelsea performance from the – the recaps I was able to watch, they, they cut out the game. I can't yeah. tell the flow. All I can see is the magical moments for both teams. Yeah, I'd say so 60 minutes of that game, Chelsea were usual Chelsea. Um, but in terms after that, I think that was the usual Chelsea that we've seen the last couple weeks where they start to fall apart. So 
Um, but I was happy for you, man. Yeah, uh, I, you guys needed a win. It was expensive a team that I wanted to win. But like I told you last week, I go, my dream would be a Luton win. <laughs> Reality is probably going to be a one point, one goal Chelsea win. Yeah, I gotcha. Uh, let's jump into the next game here. Uh, this one will be an at-home win for Aston Villa, three to two against Burnley. Uh, not an easy game, close contested. Uh, I'd say right now Burnley's player of the season. I'm pulling up his name. I think it's Abduni. Yeah, Abduni. Yep. Uh, he has been a revelation for for company side. But man, what were your thoughts on the game, Matt? That was a borderline red on the. Berg. Yep, Sandberg. That was yeah. that was tough. I it, it it's one of those things like I wish soccer had like a yellow an orange card, I mean, where he could just sit out for fifteen minutes. Football. Or football, ahead. sorry. <laughs> uh had an orange card or a sin bin or a penalty box yeah. or something just to because he deserved to be punished for that, but I don't think he deserved to miss half the game. Now I don't remember. Uh, well, was that his second yellow or was that a straight a hard? It looked like red? a straight I can't well my stat sheet shows a red. Okay. But I don't know if it was a second yellow, but it looked. I don't know if it was accumulation or not. Because he basically pulled his shirt. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure if you're tugging a shirt, that's a hard on yellow. If it's mm-hmm. blatant obvious like it was, I think that may have been his second yellow. Gotcha. But correct us if I'm wrong. Or correct me if I'm wrong. But yeah. um, overall, what, what were you thinking of the performance with Villa, man? Villa didn't look like themselves. Emmy Martinez looked shook. Yeah. Uh, and they were lucky to get out with three points. I think they need a break, much like another team will jump yeah. into. Uh, you know, just it's the the the, the grind of this part of the season just has gotten to a couple of teams. It does it's definitely at the end of December. They're playing three games in a week span. It's it's tough, but this is this this is the thing with what we give so much credit to City is uh, City turns it up March to the end of the season, mm-hmm. February to the end of the season because they allow themselves to struggle during this portion. The issue is they haven't been, and Villa is now, we're still talking about these cracks that they're showing. It's going to be tough for them to keep up with the top dogs in the league. Um, we'll see. Yeah. I, I still think that they're going to be in a European spot. I, I hope agree. it's going to be in the Champions League spots. At, yep. Hopefully not at the expense of my team, but if it's got to be that way, it's got to be that way. I but thought, ultimately, yeah. I, Burnley punched really well and yep. did a great job. Villa, I didn't say they got lucky. They had the skill, so it was skill. But they were able to capitalize on the chance to allow them to get the three instead of the one. Yeah, and and uh, Pau Torres was actually subbed on in this game uh, in regards to... So he's starting to get healthy. Uh, they didn't have Kamara, Kamara again from suspension. So they're still running this weird Douglas Louise, Johnny McGinn pivot where Johnny McGinn, you know, is my favorite Swiss Army knife. I don't think his best position is in that pivot. No, he's... He's a triangle in a square. Yeah, he's like he can fit in the hole, but he's not the best fit for the hole. Exactly. Pause. Uh, but he's also like a, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, I remember last episode when I said I'd kiss your bald head. I wanted to. I wanted. I forgot to say pause for that. So pause. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you no, know, no, I'm, I'm no. talking children's toys here, but <laughs> <all right. laughs> but jo- I I like Johnny begin more in that eight box to box role. Uh, but I'm with you, man. Uh, I, I I think Villa will be here in this in this Champions League fight till the end. Um, I just think they need a few days off to, mm-hmm. to get back in because they're they're in a struggling form right now, but they're still pulling away with wins. So yeah, there's a couple teams: Arsenal, Brentford, uh, Villa, and Newcastle that need a need a trip to Dubai and some Brentford time with the trainers. Yep, and and you led right into that, Matt. Uh, next game on the cards here, uh, Matt Super Eagles. Kayla, the Super Eagle. Yes, sir. Uh, at home, three one defeating Brentford. Matt, what were your thoughts on the game? So, I'm going to talk about the Brentford goal first. That back heel to the... I don't know who the did it. The build-up play with yeah, General the was The build-up play for that goal was... I'm just like, wow, that is like... That was Jensen who played the back heel to, um, to whoever made the assist to him. To Lewis Potter. Yeah. To get the goal for his second ever Premier League goal. Brentford have flashes of brilliance. I know they're injured. They're still down from suspension and injury. Nine players. Uh, and it, it's hurting them, but they can still put amazing pieces like that on show. But Roy deserved the win here. Yeah. Once that goal went in at under three minutes, it just seemed like the Elise Ezzy show. Uh, yeah, and, and really quickly on, on Brentford, I don't think their form has been down to Thomas Frank uh, because you can see the attacking patterns. Mm-hmm. They've had, like last week, they got destroyed by Wolves. But they had great build-up But play. they had three XG almost. They exactly. had two point something XG. It's just like... 
Arsenal with West Ham, they played their football. They just didn't get the the luck they needed. Yeah, and 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 that just goes to show that they need their their main striker back. Um, hopefully, when he's back, they can get some points because it's looking really tough right now for him. Now onto I, the Palace side. I'm hoping they hold yeah. on to Tony. Yeah, because they need to get out of this. They, Honestly. They, uh, you'll go over the table, but they feel like they're going towards the bottom. No, for sure. They're, they're in that range that we talked about of the, of the six points pretty much. And uh, I don't think Brentford are going to unless it's in the range of maybe 90, 80 million and up. Like mm-hmm. if if, it, if it's some out, outrageous offer, I think that's the only way they'll sell yeah. them. Uh, but but for, there are many teams left that can give them that much money in the league or the continent. Especially in January, too. It's always tough oh, yeah. to, unless you're, unless you're Chelsea. Um, in terms of uh, Palace, man... Uh, Eze's goal, it was like a fake dummy from Mateta. I thought Mateta, outside of Olise and Eze, was the man of the match. He was an engine uh, in their attack as their striker. He did a lot of the um, uh, heavy-duty work, I guess is, is what I'm saying. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you, man. Olise and Eze are just insane. How insane would you describe players. Eze's goal? Because I was trying to describe it. I said a smash and grab, a poacher's goal, class. And I don't know what I meant by that when I watched it because I know he... Pipped it off of a bounce in the box and just did. I think the best word I had there was poacher. What do you think? You're talking I, about the one where the third goal, right? No, he, yeah, he was the second goal. He was at 39 minutes. Hmm. It was Olise, then Eze, Eze, then Olise. Oh, okay. Yeah, so for yeah, so what happened was it was a good pass from their left back to Mateta. Mateta miscontrols it, and Eze was just perfectly making a run in behind uh, Mateta, mm-hmm. so it looked like a perfect dummy. And then, yeah, I'm with you. It was actually an actual striker's goal, even though Eze's more of a cam. This was a beautiful game in yeah. terms of the goals. Yeah. All four of them were just not like little tap-ins or anything, but they like had some skill to them yeah. or long shots or, you know, I don't know how to describe it. They were, they were pretty attractive goals, and Roy needed these three points, and Roy got these three points. I have a question for you. Yes, sir. Uh, a lot of people said Roy Hodgson's job was saved uh, because of that result. If it had gone the other way, do you think it would have been warranted for Hodgson to catch a sack? It's it's tough with Roy because he's the oldest manager uh, yeah. manager in the league. He has such a history of Crystal Palace of saving them. Uh, it, I don't know, man, because of all the the managers seem to be getting younger, and Roy just reminds everybody he, of their grandpa. He's like, and he's like a proper Premier League yeah. manager. Him and Moyes are like the way they have their performances with either a low block or certain counter attack. It's like proper Premier League type of management too. Like in the in the early two thousands, if the sense. owners are the same people that still with Palace, I don't know their ownership status. Cause, um, but if they're the same people who brought Roy back to a year and a half ago, or two years ago, to save them and then just kept him in place post sacking Patrick Vieira Mm -hmm. I got you then I don't think he's gone I think they'll give Roy to the end of the season Um, unless it gets like super close unless they drop into the relegation zone but the problem is is like if you sack him you have to have somebody lined up before you sack him because once you pass this window there's no chance to get reinforcements and if you and, go with an interim manager mm-hmm. the rest of the season, that's going to lose a lot of your fans because they yeah. know that at that point they're probably going to go down. Yeah. And it, I hate to say it, man. It's like if you're going to sack somebody, this was the week to do it. I mean, he saved his job, I guess. I don't think he was in danger of getting sacked. I agree. Because one of my other notes was Brentford and Palace are on opposite paths of injury and suspension. Palace are coming back to full strength. Brentford are still struggling like yeah. a lot of the, the other teams. But Palace have gotten back – all their offensive weapons, and I don't think they have anyone out from suspension. That was you saw the Palace that Roy thought he had at the beginning of the season. Right now, yeah, great performance for Crystal Palace. Uh, Brentford. I think the sooner you get back Tony, the better at this point because it is now. Uh, let me see how many uh, losses they have in a row here. Bear with me one moment. They are now at. Wow, they have a long break. They have now lost five straight. So because this... they also had that game in hand because of the city um, trip to the, the Club World Cup or whatever it was, they, right? Exactly. So so th- where they're at, they also still have a bounce. But unfortunately, that possible bounce is against Manchester City. And, and from somebody who had a game in hand against Manchester City last year, it's probably got to be an L. <laughs> and with that perfect segue for Matt, that's back-to-back games now. You're killing it right now. Manchester. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a radio professional, sir. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> Manchester City at home defeating Sheffield United 2-0. Uh, Matt, not too surprising uh, of, a, of a performance. Uh, we saw Darth Vader back on the bench of Kevin De Bruyne. A uh, little scary seeing him. Like, when they, showed, when they panned the camera, so I'm like, 
Oh God! <laughs> well, what's funny is is they were trying to soften the blow because they put out Kevin DeBroyer doing Kevin McAllister from Home Alone yeah. on their social, yeah. and it made it to me, and I was just like, "Please don't soften that cold blooded killer." <laughs> yeah, I, you know what, guys, we're we're movie nerds. Uh, you know what this like reminds me of it's like Kevin DeBroyer's like Emperor Palpatine. So like when Holland comes back, that's like actually Darth Vader. So like they're just like the frightening duo. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So into the game itself. Uh, uh, Phil Foden again, just just absolutely beautiful play. Um, I thought for their second goal, or for, let's give credit to Rodri first. Yeah, my my notes from this game were for a CDM, Rodri is a hell of a finisher. How the blank did he do that? It looked effortless. Yeah, the run into the right at right into the edge of the box, and then a toe poke, dog. Yeah, a toe poke rounder that bounced the ground and went right into the goal. Can I tell you guys as as, as, as or a kissed goal- the ground? I think it was more. Yeah, as a goalkeeper. Toe pokes are the hardest thing to save uh, because you don't know where they're going and neither does the person shooting the ball know no. where they're going. You can't tell from their plant foot, their hips, because it literally can go well, anywhere. Plus, it depends on if there's room in the end of their shoe, how much give the shoe has. <laughs> uh, being a defender, that was, I mean, they didn't coach us that, but it was stuff I picked up on because exactly. I'm, I'm about a little bit older than Reese. They literally, we didn't watch any games. Yeah. They just told us to what to do and send us out there but yeah. i learned from a lot of the kids from mexico on my team that how to do that and they said like toe pokes man as a defender the goalkeeper you're screwed they're tough to they're tough to you defend. don't know like is like somebody you know, somebody like you who has big clown feet matt you have a lot of give in your shoes so you don't know where that thing is going because you have a lot of compression it can bounce in a different direction than you completely intended but of course rodri being the magical oh, yeah. best cdm in the world it goes perfectly bottom left <laughs> oh, it's, it was like i said it was a pretty goal but one thing i also wanted to ask you so the xg i don't think i've seen an xg since we started doing this pod and i've been following the stat as low as sheffield's xg 0.26 yeah i mean that just goes to show how how dominant this city performance was um you, you and me both decided not to watch this game, and I watched it on re, on recap because there were better, more entertaining games because we knew yeah. this was going to be a beating. I, I I just didn't realize how bad it was. I initiated I – I watched the first, like, 20 minutes, so I saw the Rodri goal, and then I realized, oh, shit, Brentford and Palace are playing. That's a huge game. I should probably switch over to that. But I'm with you, man. When I watched the highlights, uh, Bernardo Silva, again, not getting the credit he deserves, just a world-class player. I want to give a special shout-out. Oscar Bob. Oscar Bob. His last name is Bob. It's Bob. He's from City, right? He is part of the City Academy. He had an insane through ball to Phil Foden, who then played the assist to Julian Alvarez for that second goal. Of course, an average City build-up play. Mm-hmm. Again, it's like a play. It's like one of your goals of the season if you're a normal team, but for City, it's just another for Sheffield. They would have made a DVD of that. <laughs> <laughs> but Oscar Bob, man, he has uh, uh, some creativity to him. He, I, we saw him a little bit in the Champions League when they played. Um, I knew the name sounded familiar because he must have been playing in the yeah. Champions League. So him and Rico Lewis are some of the uh, prospects for City we have to keep an eye on over the next season because if he continues to get more play time and he continues to develop in that final third, we could be looking at another. I was Phil just Foden about to bring up Lewis. Is that, like they're bringing in some academy kids to that midfield, mm-hmm. and I, I like Lewis because I love that he like looks like a little kid out there, but he doesn't take any He's crap. A baller too. He doesn't take any crap. I remember when he, I was watching him in the Arsenal match, he was not intimidated by going. He went toe-to-toe with Rice, toe-to-toe with Saliba. Yeah. He just he knew what he, he could do, and yeah. he did it. Now, he didn't do great in that game, unfortunately, because of the way things played out. But I looked at that kid, and I was like, man, he's going to— There's a real player. There's there. a player there. I'm not sure if he's city level, but he's definitely a Premier League level team sure. player. And he would be amazing in a team like a Villa or a Newcastle. Well, the thing is, he's still 18, 19 years yeah, old. Yeah, it's true. So. We don't know what he's going to be. Yeah, so I mean— in my theory is is when Kyle Walker because uh, I feel like Kyle Walker is going to fall off soon, but he never does because he still always has this pace to him. But when Walker eventually does depart or retire, I think Lewis steps in and plays that Zinchenko role, but as a right back, as an inverted right back. So um, let's go ahead and jump into the next game here. Where are we heading next, sir? Uh, this will be the Matt the game that Matt watched in particular: Wolves at home defeating Everton three uh, nil. Can I first say this? Right, Two things, actually. Patron Saint, man of the match. Huang Hee Chan absolutely killed these dudes, in my well, opinion. He wasn't even in the... I checked. I didn't think he played. Huang Hee Chan was in the game. He was? Yeah, he had, he had the assist. Uh, he had two okay. assists, I think. Okay. Uh, and he I started. Checked the, I checked the um, the things because, okay, he must have been there. No, <laughs> Were so, you watching the game? Yeah, I watched the game. But, so this game was a weird one because 
two of their three goals came from just look kind yeah. of garbage goals, yeah. but they just looked on the attack the entire game. Like their XG was two point six four to five point five two, and I'm going to be honest, that's like it was one of those games where it was just like they got up so f- they got up on at, at I what I kind of was doing chores and stuff around the house during the 53 minutes through 61 minutes that's probably why i missed chan but um yeah it was just a it was just like if you've ever seen the show reacher it was like when you fought those guys in the prison bathroom man <laughs> everton was just getting pushed from pillar to post very um and neto's um ruled off goal was or missed goal or ruled off goal was just absolutely amazing it was ruled off yeah because Wengi chan was uh offside and then the ball was played to him and then he played that pass to neto but that just goes to show like neto is going to be scary when he's fully like in the lineup again and this wolves team is going to be clicking for everton very unusual performance not something we see from a typical everton side they had a tough run of games before this so i wasn't I wasn't really taking. I was taking those games with a grain of salt, but this performance was a little bit worrying. Yeah, for t- the team that was on that run, this isn't that team. This looks like the team that played lost to Manchester United. They didn't. They but unfortunately, unlike against Manchester United, they didn't ever look like they were in the game. Yeah. When they played Manchester United, they looked like a team ready to avenge injustice. Today, they just kind of look like a team we'll talk about later. They just looked scared, and they didn't really look like they were in the game. It was hard to root for them because Wolves were such a so dominant yeah. on the ball. And I, if their possession, I remember their possession was more than 60, I think 60 or percent or higher because it just seemed like they were always on the attack. Yeah, and then um, in terms of, uh, again, I think at this time of the year, they're probably hitting that sort of sl- uh, slowing down a little bit. Mm-hmm. But after next weekend, there's like a week or week and a half break. Um, so the half the games are played next weekend, and then half the games are played the weekend after that. Yeah. So, so the teams are split, and I don't remember where Everton falls in the split. Gotcha. I know that I think my t- your team is playing this weekend, and Arsenal is playing this the weekend after. Okay. Yeah, because I know there's like a on at least on the ESPN app it says January second, and then January thirteenth, uh, and then the there's next- half the teams are playing on the twentieth, twenty first. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, I mean, th- I think it's a much need to break for a bunch of these mid table two I'm relegation to see sides. where Everton plays. Yeah. But I think I think the mid table to relegation sides are just kind of ready for that break now because they're 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 not used to these sort of midweek to weekends as an Arsenal or Chelsea or City are used to where these teams and Newcastle are starting to get tired. So uh, credit to Wolves, Everton. I'm gonna keep an eye on you guys. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, let's jump into the final Saturday game of the of the week. Oh, stupid Saturday's game final. The final me, game of Saturday. Thank you, thank you, Matt. Uh, Guys, I was I was destroyed yesterday in my phone calls. That's all I'll say with my job yesterday. Um, it was like the final boss who I had to go to the office. It was just terrible. Anyways, honestly, man, work do, dealing with dealers on Saturday must be horrendous. Is the worst. <laughs> um, but in my opinion, this was my favorite game of the weekend. Uh, Nottingham Forest at home defeating Manchester United two to one. Matt, what were your thoughts on the game? So this is an interesting game. My mother and father were watching this game at their house, and my mother called me to have me explain if goalkeepers have error stats like <laughs> pitchers in baseball. Because yeah. she saw that Matt Turner give up that goal to Rashford, and she was just like, I hope it doesn't count against him. He seems like a very nice young man. He really is. I feel so <laughs> bad for Matt Turner, and it's probably the Americanisms in yeah. us. But, um, That's why my mom felt bad for him, too, because she knows he's the American goalkeeper. And we'll get into the other goals in a second, but honestly, if I am Nottingham Forest, and it pains me to say this, but in that January window, I'm maybe looking for a goalkeeper on loan or a fee, a very small fee, because this is now two or three games in a row where Matt Turner has uh, either lacked awareness or he has not played the right ball with his Mm -hmm. feet. And I think he needs maybe some, not, I don't think they need to bring in someone better than him, but someone to give him competition at least till the end of the season to see if he really is going to be your guy going forward. Yeah. But other than that, it was a, it was a really rough first half. Yeah. No, the, the first half was terrible in my opinion. Uh, United, this is what we talked about on Thursday, is mm-hmm. the struggle with United isn't in transition, it's in possession. Mm-hmm. And Forrest pretty much let them have the ball for the first half, and United couldn't create anything. We jump and see the second half. Where United go, or Forrest goes on the attack. All hell oh, breaks loose. Mm-hmm. Uh, Allowing Manchester United to play the way they, not the way they should play, but the way they can play. Yeah, I think that's a distinction, because I love your vision for this Manchester United team. I don't love that it could make has them to a, be Manchester United. Yeah, it has to be Manchester United, but... Like, there's something there. Uh, there's something there. And the way you describe that team, 
in your dream <laughs> and uh, play really good foot, ten hog football. Yeah. But right now they seem more like a counterattacking team, like old school Spurs. Exactly. And, and by old school, I mean like two, three seasons ago. <laughs> right. Even last season. Um, but in term, I thought the man of the match, uh, outside of Morgan Gibbs White, who is, in my opinion, the him, man. him right him. now. Um, he is him. Yes. Uh, I thought Anthony Alango was, was insane today, or not today, yesterday. Uh, he had the assist to play Gibbs, and he was also very threatening to the left back, which I believe was Dallow yesterday. Again, there's a left back issue at mm-hmm. United. Dallow, I remember him on the pitch. Yep. Um, man. Morgan Gibbs White, though, man, he he's been at this club for now two seasons since he's joined Wolves. Imagine if when he was still at Wolves with this team now would have been scary. Uh, I do think Gibbs has a great future ahead of him. I don't know if he ever creeps into a big six side, but if he does, I think he helps any one of those big teams. Maybe off the bench, kind of like mm-hmm. how Brennan Johnson has been in in place of Madison uh, for Spurs, uh, because Brennan Johnson's of course seeing more game time with having to be a winger and Kulusevski's being that cam for them. Um, I think Gibbs White can help anyone in the big six across the front three or even in that attacking mid role. Of the big six, question for you, what team do you think you'd be the best fit with? I have my answer, but I'm curious on your answer. Well, well, it, we'll say the big seven. We'll include Villa in this too. Okay. Even though Villa's not my pick, I do think yeah. that... They're one of those big teams mm-hmm. this year. Um, honestly, like I said, I don't think Chelsea need a striker. But I do think they need an option to kind of fit the profile of the rest of this team. And I think Gibbs could fit that along with Lucas Paqueta. But, you know, that's just my dream. But honestly, I think he does fit. We kind of spoke on Thursday of, of Spurs needing an extra body in the midfield in There's regards to answer. attacking. I um, think the way he plays, he could be very good for um, Spurs. Ironically, Brennan Johnson also came from Nottingham Forest. So, uh, yeah. It's, it's, There's a connection there. Some, yeah. But with Spurs, it seems to me that they, they don't really have a striker. Mm-hmm. Well, the Sun plays striker, but they just – well, we'll get to them later. Yeah. But I think of the teams he would – if I was if I was looking for somebody in the summer, I agree. Spurs should be on the hunt for that young man. I also want to give credit to the first goal that Forest scored. I think this was a – The Dominguez? Yeah. Uh, a beautiful build-up goal that I think Nuno orchestrated. I think they had this one in the, in the, in the plans pregame because – this looks like it was all drawn up uh, from Montiel. Argentine. It looks like a set play. Exactly from Montiel with the with the perfect pass to Dominguez, the two Argentinian connection for that finish. And this was Dominguez's first start in a couple games, I'm pretty sure. So uh, hopefully he kicks on. Credit to Forrest. Uh, United another uh, scary performance uh, in terms of, of of them in possession. It's much like Chelsea of last season with Tuchel, where they would dominate the game in possession, but they couldn't create much. And I think, like I said, they're insane in transition. I see the vision. Hopefully, either towards the end of the season or next season, if Ten Hag still has his job, they learn to figure out how to beat uh, beat the. I'm going to steer away from beat the uh, pegs and holes. I'm going to say that they look like a well a, a watch with certain cogs missing from it, and they're trying to make something with a wider gap or a tighter gap work in the place of it. Exactly. Because I don't want to have to have you say pause. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and jump into the Sunday slate. I'm going to save Matt's depression in a moment. Okay, so we're going to go to Tottenham? Yeah, we'll go, okay. to, we'll go to the Tottenham game. Tottenham at home defeating Bournemouth 3-1. to one. Um, Matt, I know you were watching the Arsenal game, so I'll kind of You'll have to. T- I think we'll both have to take – I'll ask questions on this one, but I yeah. really um, don't didn't watch any of this game, unfortunately. Yeah. No, yeah, that, that's totally fine. So in terms of what I saw for the first half, I was still pretty wakey. I was waking up still most of the game. Uh, dominant, dominant Spurs performance. I texted you yesterday because uh, I, although my prediction on Thursday was a 2-1 Bournemouth win, mm-hmm. on Saturday I came to the realization like, man, the way Bournemouth play versus the way Spurs play, it's basic. There's too much quality. They're just opening the door for Spurs and saying, "Hey guys, have fun." If you, if you, if you, <laughs> let- once you said that this morning before we recorded, I knew. Once you said that, I was just like. Yeah, he does have a point. <laughs> a very good <laughs> Because point. if you think about it, Bournemouth play not obviously too as attacking as Spurs do, but they have a little bit of Spurs in them. They just don't have the quality, and Spurs has the quality regardless. Even this broken Spurs. I was going to say. Well, not broken is the wrong word. Depleted yep. is a better word. It's depleted Spurs team. They're literally playing four outside backs across their defensive line. Ben Davies, who is big enough to be a center back, he's... I don't even know what position he plays anymore, but he used to be a left back. 
And then they had Emerson Royale as the other center back. So that just goes to show how depleted this team is right now. Two questions for you. The XG is 1.6 for Bournemouth, and they scored one goal. Were they more on the attack and Spurs were just getting on the counterattack? What was the flow of the game? So, great question. Spurs was front-footed, which they deserved their first three goals. It was more so the last 20 to 30 minutes from Bournemouth that they really started to push on, and uh, Spurs went more defensive. Uh, because they had Spain's to make fourth minute goal. Yeah, <laughs> they had to make substitutions to adjust for the lack of size that they had. And I think you're about to get to my second question, so I'm going to ask it so I sound smart. Yep. What got Ange mad, <laughs> guys? So I'm sitting there, you know, on my bed. Mate. Yeah, I'm sitting there on my bed. I'm, I'm, you know, enjoying the game. So what happened was uh, Alejo Veliz. Uh, let me see how old this dude is. He's, I believe, he's from Argentina. Yeah, he's from Argentina. He's 20 years old. He gets subbed on uh, a few minutes prior, and he got kicked in the box, and he went down. He, But the, uh, by this time, Spurs were out of subs. They've used all five. Yes. Okay. And about two minutes later, this dude Valise is in actual pain. Like, he's crying while trying to play, and he's, like, trying to breathe and, like, stand up, you know, so the oh. game can continue. He falls again, and then he gets up again, and then falls again. And then by this time... Arola is just a funny guy. He's smiling the whole time. Like I feel like he was just enjoying his time, even though they were down three to one. His assistant coaches were just like, "Get up, get up!" and and basically, oh, that was said, Andrew. And Andrew was like, "You motherfuckers! I this guy is actually injured. I I've never seen him so irate before." Because for usually, somebody who has encountered many aggressive and angry Australians, it is not something that you want to be in front of. Dude, they are a. Uh, Passionate I, I, people who, be, when they believe in something, they believe in it with their full heart and soul. Yeah. I was gonna give a rugby reference, but I don't want to. I don't want to do like the whole stereotypical thing. So I'll say he looked like an offensive lineman in a sense. When like you know, like when like the defensive lineman kind of like pushes the guy mm-hmm. after the play, and then the offensive lineman just like starts smacking at his arms and pushing him back. That's basically what Ange did, and I just. He was talking, like, very, like, aggressive. I've just never seen his face. Was, was he animated with the hands? Because he's also Greek, yeah, we have to like, remember. Yeah, yeah, he was doing, there like, are a chopping. people who, not to, to, you know, be stereotypical. stereotypical, but I've never met a Greek person who doesn't talk with their hands. Yeah. <laughs> I've just, we're used to the smug, very, regardless of the scoreline, regardless of how pressurized it is, he's always had this smug, hands in, po- hand mm-hmm. in his coats type of, Pose when they were they lost one of their games recently. I remember they cut him on the sidelines and he just has hands in his coat, regardless, staring forward, looked like a mil- proper military guy. Just, win, win or whatever loss. he was looking at, he was probably burning a hole through it. Win or loss, he always has that same face. Well, he we have seen this crack before in the Spurs Chelsea game where he got the yellow card. He got animated there, but not to this not extent. to this level. No, I yeah. I saw pictures of it. Like it's a gif already on yeah. the internet. <laughs> yeah. I do, I do want to, uh, I do hope, um, I want to give thoughts to Valise because you could tell he was in pain. They brought out the stretcher, but he got up and he still wanted to walk off the pitch on do his own Do you have somebody field. helping him on it, though? It, well, by the time he got to the sideline, he bursted into tears. Mm. Uh, Chicago came to console him and his players, you know, put his head down so they wouldn't be seen and they picked him up and they kind of walked him in. But uh, for a 20-year-old who finally gets a shot to be in the team with all the injuries Spurs have had, to have it end that way is just heartbreaking. Okay. And, and all, I can see why that set Ange off. Yeah. Because if the assistants were being a bunch of brats, brats yeah. then he seems like a man who has a sense of honor. Yeah, for sure. And that probably rubbed, rubbed his code the wrong way. Yeah. And he wanted to back his team, which I. I because fully you weren't going to win this game, guys, that shows some class. Well, the thing is, though, is I. I believe along with Valise, you know, missing his opportunity, he puts his team in jeopardy because they were then yeah, down to ten men. They were down to ten men for the last five, six minutes of the game, and they had, and Bournemouth had scored, but the goal was disallowed. If that goal was not disallowed, this game could have gone turned on its head. But uh, credit to credit to Spurs. Our thoughts are with Valise because it's just tough for a kid, man. I, I feel for him. Uh, I say See, kid. I can say nice things about Spurs. I say kid, but I'm literally <laughs> like two years older than him. Yeah, I'm homeless basically uh, <laughs> compared to these guys. Let's go ahead and jump into Matt's favorite game of the week, Fulham. Oh, wait, hold up. Let me make sure. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure they were away. Fulham at home, defeating Arsenal 2-1. to one. Uh, Matt, what the, f- what, what the hell happened? What, what happened? Arsenal got scared. Um, I mean, the best way – what I saw was a team that after um, Raul Jimenez scored that goal in the 29th minute, they had no answers. They had no courage. And then the rainstorm hit, and they just shut down. 
what because again guys i haven't seen a minute of this game both these games were on at the same time for us and we chose i chose my arsenal and reese chose to watch spurs and this was uh i once these games ended i literally hit we had to come right over to work on this what was the what was the talk me through the process of the Jimenez goal because that was a big goal for that point of the game to be it was about 15 minutes before half so right it was like 15 it happened at 29 minutes just about 15 minutes before the half um was it a good build-up I don't remember who gave it away, but it was an Arsenal player gave away the ball. Okay. Jimenez ran forward. The player who had the ball for the assist got it to him and got right in the box. Okay. And he got his goal, and it was a – well, there's no VAR saving us. There was no offside saving us. So it was, it a, was a clean goal, mm-hmm. and I knew – and then about 10 minutes after that, I realized we were in real trouble. So it was pretty much a, a costly error from whoever that gave that ball away. I, I want to say it was Odegaard. Gotcha. Because I, but when it was that wet, the, the, the Odegaard's hair turns brown. Yeah, <laughs> I just knew it wasn't. Um, it was either sock. It was either rice or Odegaard. I just couldn't tell you who it was. So and then th- for the second goal, because it happens so fast in transition. Yeah, and they didn't show that giveaway. They just showed the goal on replay. Right now, guys, uh, if you if there was cameras on us right now, I'm trying to find the last time Arsenal have had less shot attempts in the Premier League than their counterpart because Fulham actually had one more additional yep. shot, which for me is fucking shocking. Um, so the two losses in a row, Arsenal played their football against West Ham and they just couldn't get the ball in the box. Gotcha. West Ham got their goal and they locked up shop. Gotcha. And then a costly error from Zinchenko gave them their second goal, but Arsenal played their football. After about 25, 30 minutes, somewhere in that range, Arsenal stopped playing their football, and they reverted back to like that team that was just struggling to try and make fourth a few seasons back. They got scared, and then I remember the rainstorm. That's when things really got bad because they, they honestly, this could have been a lot worse. <laughs> The reason, uh, the reason I think it's so important that Fulham had more shot attempts than you guys is because outside of the Liverpool game two weeks ago, a uh, week and a half ago, um, you guys had the same amount of shots as them. Do you know the last time before that? I'm going to say 2020-2021 season. <laughs> okay, so not, not that far oh. back. In terms of shot attempts for a team that has equal... Oh, probably against Manchester City um, in 21-22. No, no, no. Not that oh. far back. Not that far. Oh, it's okay. this season. It's okay. this season. The team that has actually... Uh, equaled you guys in shot attempts in a game was Spurs back in mm. September. So you guys have, and this this is big for me because you guys are such a, a suffocating team mm-hmm. in that final third. We couldn't suffocate them. They just kept getting out of the chokehold. So that was it. The did they just have a very sound low block where you guys couldn't get shot attempts off? What what about the game was different than others where you guys just couldn't get attempts off? It just looked like they couldn't pass the ball. They just kept giving it away or dropping it, or they'd head it where they'd head it where there was no Arsenal player. It was just yeah. a Fulham guy. Yeah. They they'd steal possession. They'd head the ball away in the defensive half, and then it would go straight to a Fulham guy who just continued the attack. The, the game that it's reminiscent to me of is that Newcastle where Arsenal had to win to have any chance of going ahead of Spurs in twenty twenty one season. Gotcha. They just had that where their passing just was trash. Hmm. Um, they kept giving the ball away, and the rainstorm made it even worse because it was a downpour. It wasn't just misty like it was at the start of the game. It was like the gutters at uh, Craven Cottage were spewing water everywhere. It had, they had a deluge for about 10 minutes, and it made things so untenable for Arsenal. I So after the Liverpool game and this game, I think we need to have the kit man take a course on what cleats to provide during Jeez. rain or something because it's just like when it rains they just don't do well i gotcha now let's go ahead and uh, really quickly talk because uh obviously he met his goal was in the 29th minute what was bukaya saka's goal in it was like minute? in four or five let me get you the time frame well, here so what was the build-up for that what the arsenal just moved forward and uh, saka got in the box and clipped it in okay so it was like a, a, a usual saka goal where mm-hmm. he cuts in and, and puts it away okay yeah. gotcha so let's go cut to- it on a uh set piece sorry okay Oh, of course, a set piece for you guys. <laughs> he came wide, nobody marked him, ran straight in and got the ball. Wow, so. okay. Very, very sketchy it, defending well, from Fulham. Somebody was following him, but he just got, he got a, he, he juked his man. Okay. Let's go to the other side. Let's talk about Fulham now. Uh, over the week, I said, I'm worried for Fulham again because they've crashed back down to earth. They have now proved me wrong again and have picked up results. Um, 
Do you think this was more of a, a, a Silva masterclass in terms of the management, or do you think the players actually just outperformed their own expectations in this game? So, Willian, so it, I think it's both. Willian and Awobi were great creators and, and breakers against this Arsenal team. They may not be reflected on the score sheet, yeah. but they were vital to the success that Fulham had in this game. Gotcha. And I think that has to be due to um, the coaching because Silva, again, we went over this before, before we recorded, six points available to Arsenal against Fulham. They got one. Jeez. And I think that Silva knows how to, because he knows how to play, because he's a Portuguese manager, spent a lot of time in Spain, been around the teams that, the, you know, the total football that came out of there that Arteta is a product of. And I think he knows how to play the, against this team because they've had not they've lost a lot to City, but they've never looked like they were chump change to him. Yeah, and I'm looking at to see what happened last season when you guys played because last season they had Mitrovic, and that's when Fulham was really at their best. We opened the season I think against Fulham, or it was our second game last season, and we won, but it was a squeaky bum win. Yeah. It was it was a we got a we got a goal and then we held it. Yeah, gotcha. Because. I mean, I'm, conf- I'm mixing them up in Palace because they were happening so close right. together. But we it, won it, away at Fulham last year. It was Palace the first game because mm-hmm. you guys were the yeah. first game of the season on a Friday night. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Because the reason I ask is because this Fulham side has now managed to uh, obtain points off of uh, off of a one of the best teams in the league, and off the bounce of having two abysmal performance, embarrassing performance to two mid table to relegation side teams. Of course, Bournemouth is my guys, but yeah. mid-table to relegation pre- yeah. previously. Uh, they, it's they're a huge hit or miss side, is what I'm thinking right mm-hmm. now. And I think if they get some sort of investment in January, whether if that's an attack or maybe defensive, if they can get some help defensively, or if they just make Anthony Robertson's hair regular again, that'd be preferred. His hair still looks ugly. Hey, I'm gonna. Hey, Tony Khan, why don't you stop uh, paying attention to wrestling because it's not that great for your club. I think you muted me. <laughs> I muted you right at the end, my bad. Uh, all I was saying is the owner of Fulham needs to get his eyes off his side project and focus on a project that actually makes him money. I gotcha. So Sorry really- about that, guys. Reese was trying to move the microphone to me, and I'll cut that out um, in post, but I went on a little rant on Mr. Anthony Kahn. I muted you right at the end, so I think they heard yeah. you, but um, sorry about that, guys. Uh, in terms of going forward for Fulham... Um, do you want them to see investment in January to stay up, or do you think they have just enough to keep them above the relegation? So Fulham is not a team I follow like Crystal Palace and I like like Luton or Arsenal, but I have a connection to this team. I love Clint Dempsey playing for them when I became a fan, and I want Fulham to be successful. I don't want them to be successful against Arsenal, but I want them to be a successful club. Um, they are a bulwark of London football, and I think that they need investment because they need to stay up and taking out Mitrovic to go to Saudi Arabia, even though Ralph Jimenez, no, Jimenez. Yeah, Jimenez is a great, a good player. I think they need more options and more varied play. And I don't think you can waste a window if you're a team like Fulham. So you're you're saying they need investment. I don't know if it's going to be a couple kids or if it's going to be a marquee signing. So, but you need, you're saying they need investment in January to keep them up this season. Yeah, not, well, to keep them out of the scrap. They okay. need to stay out of that. They need to stay out of... Um, 16th, 7th, 16th gotcha. and down. They need to be 15th or higher. Gotcha. Um, because I don't want to see them pulled into that bear pit um, that's going on down at the bottom. And that's a great transition to have you take us to the table. Yes, sir. Um, so at this time, uh, before we jump into our break, uh, Sheffield still at the bottom of the league with 9 points. Burnley with 11 points. Uh, Luton, game in hand with 15 points, still one point behind Everton, so that Everton loss was crucial. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we creep up here into the top four. I'm so sorry, Matt. Hey, no, Arsenal's probably <laughs> in fifth now, right? Arsenal is in fourth still with 40 points. Game in hand, Manchester City with 40 points. Uh, Aston Villa with 42 points in second place. And then also game in hand, who play tomorrow. A big game for the, for the title race, mm-hmm. Liverpool. Uh, with 42 points. Now, we're going to cover uh, Monday and Tuesday's games uh, next weekend. Uh, we'll be sure to prioritize, especially mm-hmm. the Liverpool and Newcastle yep. game. And That'll be our opener unless something crazy happens, yeah. like somebody scores 10 goals or something. I- exactly. So uh, we're going to go ahead and take a break, guys. We'll be back with our preview. 
All right, guys, we are back for our preview of week 21 and a little bit of sprinkled in at the end of week 20. First up, Reese, we got Liverpool, Newcastle. Yes. Now, we already gave our prediction on Thursday for this, but we want to give you a little bit more legitimate or another prediction that we're thinking this game may skew based off the results this weekend. Um, so, uh, it looks like Liverpool is at home for this one. Uh, I am going to think this is close contested, but again, Newcastle have been in struggling form. They've lost three straight now. I'm going to go with a 1-0 Liverpool win. Honestly, I, I'm thinking 2-0 because I think Liverpool sees their opportunity in their team that can capitalize yeah. to open up five points at the top of the table, considering that it only really is two when you consider Chelsea has... I'm not Chelsea. City have a game in hand. Yeah. If you if you, if Liverpool played anything like they did against Burnley, this could be dominant too. Mm-hmm. What's the next game for us? Man? We have West Ham Brighton. Gotcha. And who's the home side on this one? You'll have to tell me. I. Uh-oh. That's why I write it down because I can't. I always mix it up with the American way of doing Americanism. Things. So the, yeah. the the top team or the left sided team is the home team. So is at the London Stadium Stadium of West Ham. Is it the London Stadium? Yep, London Stadium. Man, you've increased my ball knowledge, man. I appreciate you. You've increased mine too. I'm more <laughs> of the historical, like the the, the grounds, and the geographical, and, yeah, and the, the prestige of the clubs. But you're the guy who's made me look at these games more tactically and made me enjoy it more. See that, guys? Friendship. Friendship mm-hmm. brings football together. And we'll get to that in stoppage time. That's part of my uh, awesome. part of my uh, New Year's. Uh, Look back. Awesome. Uh, in this game, uh, West Ham in, are in insane form right now, picking up huge results over Arsenal midweek. Um, and I think they've won three straight now. Correct me if I'm wrong. Brighton had their best performance. I think they are three. Gotcha. Brighton had their best performance midweek against Spurs in a Ooh. dominant fashion. This, this is a heavyweight clash of yeah. teams that are just outside looking to get into. The, well, they're not. They're both in Europe, so they're not outside. In terms of getting at, solidifying their Europa mm-hmm. League position or mm-hmm. uh, being in the race for a Champions League for sure. Um, I can see how this game's going to go. West Ham's going to be in a low block. They're going to have counterattacking opportunities. Brighton's going to have opportunities. I think this is going to be a fun one. I'm going to go three two to Brighton away. Fair enough. I I'm actually going to go with you on that. I think it's going to be a high scoring affair, but I think Brighton will have a little bit much for them. Gotcha. Three two. Let's go. What's the next game for us, man? All right. So now we're going into week 21, the Saturday. First up, unfortunately, I'm sorry, man. We have Fulham at Chelsea at 5:30 in the morning next Saturday. Guys, um, they have just decided that they're just going to torture you. Yeah. The, the script writers. I wish. Uh... I wonder what the... It must be so nice living in England and just, like, being able to work your full day and then, like, be able to get off and then still watch the game. It must be so nice for them. Fuck you guys. All right? <laughs> we were we were almost ready for having you take that explicit game off because we hadn't cussed at all. <laughs> I'm just tired of it, man. No, I got... No, hey, it is frustrating. When I saw that, I felt bad because I was like, man, two weeks in a row they're going to do this to him? <laughs> Like at least the Fulham game was on at like, or the sorry, the Luton game was on at like six, I think, right? It was still five thirty. Oh, but still, oh. I, I just had to go in the office, so I had to wake up early. But if oh, they would have lost, your computer, man. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, anyways, in right, the game so itself, uh, what do you think is going to happen? So it depends on which Fulham side comes out and more which than Chelsea side. Shows up. Well, that's the thing is, I think it's more on which Fulham side versus which Chelsea side because Fulham have been a huge hit or miss side against. Uh, they've been hitting against the bigger sides. But they've been missing against these mid-table sides. And I just want to say, Chelsea are right at the mid-table point. So hopefully we get the Fulham of the mid-table team. Um, but I can only see this going two ways. One, it's going to be a William Hattrick. Or two, Chelsea win this 2-0. I think it's going to be a Chelsea 2-0 oh, win. Because full of Willian's coming home. Yeah, William's coming He's home. He's coming home. <laughs> I have three ones of the Blues. I appreciate that. You give me confidence, and then we never know which Chelsea team we're going to see on Saturday. <laughs> I'm with you on that, man. All right, so next, after film Chelsea, we head to Manchester City at Newcastle. Huge. Well, I guess we'll see if it's huge, because Newcastle have been in struggling form. If they lose again to Pools, it could be very struggling form. Um, I think They need a break, too, I guess. I'll let them slide. They were in my teams that need a break. Yeah. They need a Snickers or they need a Kit Kat <laughs> or something. For sure. Um, I got 3-0 to the Chelsea. Or, sorry, to the Manchester City. Really? So you see this in a dominant fashion. Because usually Newcastle have been up for it when they've played City historically over the last season. Two seasons, maybe? I think City's got something to prove. Rodri's back yeah. in form. For sure. Um, Obviously, Alvarez is, a, is probably a lot more mobile than... Than they're used to, and I, I just, I just see City winning this. Maybe two zero, but 
I think City's going to be one of those teams that they go to this house and they just open the fridge yeah. and eat all the food. And I don't think De Bruyne's going to be starting. He's not that ready no. yet, but he probably this will be the game that he may be coming off the bench for. And if he does come off the bench, they're either going to be up or tied, in my opinion. I don't think they'll bring him on if they're down. So... I don't know. What, I don't know what the point of me saying that is, but I'm afraid. Well, no, it De is a point. If they're chasing the game, I don't think they're going to risk yeah. De Bruyne's health. If they're comfortably up two to zero, I think they're going to trot him out for the last 15 minutes of the game to get him some fitness in his yeah. legs against a competitive match against I, a tough team. This is and especially it was a valid point. I'm backing you up on this. <laughs> I know. I know. I appreciate it. Uh, the game in hand is just so crucial for City that they have to win. So I think I'm going to have to pick City, but it's close. So I'm going to go. Two to one, but I don't think it will be a pretty game for City, if that makes okay. sense. No, it. I see your point on that. I just think that Alvarez gives them a lot more it reminds, options. Than, Alvarez is like how the City side was with Jesus was mm-hmm. there before Holland came, yeah. where you had a mobile City team. I could that, def- that was I was going to get to. You stole my point, Sorry. and I like it. Thank okay. you for setting me up for that, because <laughs> they play more like City of two seasons ago yeah. than they did City of last year when they have Alvarez up for front. Sure. And... I think against this Newcastle side with the injuries and the, and everything that they're they're working with, I think ripping them open will be a benefit to City. I agree. What's the next game for us? Well, next up we have, just go move into Sunday. That was the last game of Saturday. We have Villa at Everton. Everton does play on the next weekend <laughs> when they needed a break. Uh, sorry, Everton. Yeah, uh, sorry, Everton. <laughs> but hopefully the the week off will give them a little bit of time to recoup because again, very un, very strange uh, Deitch uh, team we saw. Very not something we're used to seeing. Um, no, I, normally he's up for a fight, and he just didn't. The guys didn't look like they had it on the pitch against this Wolves right. team. And Villa we're seeing cracks of. So I think this is going to be a close game, um, Matt. I think this is the game where we see Villa drop some points. I have one zero to Everton. Gotcha. I, I don't know if I'm ready to give a, a drop drop to an points. Emmy Martinez uh, disaster. Okay, okay. I could see that. I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw, but I think it's going to be one of those games where Ever- or Everton should have won that game. But it's going gotcha. to be close. 1-1. One one. So we both, we both believe in Deitch. Yeah. All right. And I believe... Up the top oh, no. Game. It's next to the last game. The last Sunday game is Spurs at United. Oh my god! I think that might we might lead with Liverpool, Newcastle, and then immediately go into yeah. the last game. That's going to be the main review outside of these midweek games for sure. Um, if those midweek games we could have covered in midweek, this yeah. would be our headline. Yep. Yeah. And okay. and like I've been saying about Ten Hag is uh, Ten Hag is a big game manager. He always seems to figure it out against these big teams. Um, and Spurs are so front-footed that I think this actually might play into a Ten Hag way with their transition yeah. and counterattack that we've been speaking about. Dude. What do you got? Because I got two to one to United. I'm going to agree with you, man. Just, maybe I just got my Ten Hag glasses on and I've been watching a little too much United lately. Even though they lost on Saturday, it was the possession United team that we watched. This is going to be back and forth all game. I'm going to go with a 4-3 to three United win. Ooh. Straight Okay, so game. we're both going for a one-point win to the to the Red Devils. Yes, okay. <laughs> and I included this one in my um, predictions. We'll move on to the next one. Yeah. Uh, Monday is Luton at Burnley. Ooh. It's a six-pointer. Um, Huge. I, we don't know. We might have to move this to the, yeah, the week sure. of the 20th, guys. Um, but... Uh, early prediction for early sure. prediction. I got Luton one nil. Yeah, and and we'll give another prediction on next weekend as well, just to give a little bit more a- accuracy to this because it's not until Monday. Because we don't know if there's going to be injuries that happen yeah. or anything like that. Who's the home side? Uh, Burnley. Ooh. And Burnley have had the best record at home. Yeah. And Luton has these moments of magic, but Burnley gave Villa a fight. Yeah. But Burnley Burnley is starting to settle into the league. I'm pretty sure, and I think with them being at home, although they haven't had the best home record. They have had some good performances over the last couple weeks. I think these are my orange to Luton glasses showing. But the thing is, is like, at the same time, Luton are in great form too over the last couple weeks. So I think in this circumstance, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a two one win to Burnley. Okay. But I think it's gonna be very close contested. It can go literally either way. It could end up in a draw too. Yeah, and this is a definitely. A, I mean, this could sh- game could stick Burnley in the basement and. I mean, depending on how the other results go, Luton. The thing with Luton is they have that game in hand. So although it's although they Bournemouth. yeah although they need to win and to to obviously get out of relegation zone, they also have a little bit of a of a pass at the same time. Where Burnley, if they win, that is huge mm-hmm. for them. That puts them within touching distance of Luton. Exactly. If Luton's able to do it, they're able to 
open up a, more of a gap between the two teams. And if Everton does yep. um, loot, drop points to Villa, like you're thinking, I'm thinking Everton wins, then then um, if Luton gets three, then they could jump, jump up to him or jump over him. I love football, man. Uh, I think then, now that you've gassed me up a little bit further, I'm a little bit more confident in my burn. Uh, not gassed me up, gassed the game up a little mm-hmm. bit more in terms of how intense it's going to be. I feel like company is going to put on his big game manager glasses. I don't remember the points from the table, but Burnley is about four or five right behind. They have 11 points, Burnley do, and I think uh, Luton has 15. 15. And Everton Everton has 16. So very, very close uh, at the bottom. Everton's got a big game coming off of a beating. Um, And I don't remember who's above Everton. But everybody, that, man. Every, well, no, there's uh, one no, point between no, know, them and, and Everton. But like everyone above Everton, like from us, that within those three points, it's it's very close. So um, I'm, I'm excited for next week. And I think it's going to be a very crucial match week for Spurs United, for, for uh, obviously Burnley and Luton. There's some big games for, for big, uh, big prizes uh, possibly on the line. All right, so I think that leads us into stoppage time. Uh, my question is more of a general for both of us. Do you have any questions for me before we get into mine? Yeah. Mine's more sentimental. So I got gotcha. you. Uh, mine is also relatively sentimental. I'm putting you on the spot here because, guys, we do not discuss our stoppage time. We're not like one of those fraudulent podcasts who like discuss and pre-plan everything. The, I only gave him a hint on the first one, yeah. and ever since then I've kept everything kind of a little secret. Yeah. Unless he's cheating off my papers, I have to use. Honestly, I can't even see that far. Okay. <laughs> All you bozos out there that come and prepare your friends with these questions on podcast put them on the spot man put them on the spot challenge their mind matt in your opinion across all of football i want you to give me two things your favorite two moments of 2023 footballing wise and if you'd like i can start to give you some time to think well so one of mine is going to be the um el trafico i got to go see um lafc home against la galaxy um, at the bmo stadium uh, was one of the best games of football I've ever witnessed. Honestly, it's only second because I got to see um, Louis van Gaal versus Arsene Wenger wow. at, at the Emirates. Um, but this was an amazing game. I got to see Cellini, who retired, play. I've never seen the man play live. Um, it was a back-and-forth game, and um, it was just a sight to behold to see a proper derby, just intense game. They cordoned off. Uh, the LAFC or LA Galaxy supporters above me, just to the left, they were throwing garbage down on us, uh, throwing beer when they would score. Um, you could hear the chants. There was tifos. It was just a proper game, and I'm glad I was there. And if I can make the time this year, I want to go see in 2024 the Galaxy. See the Galaxy reverse fixture of this. Um, my other moment. Because um, it did fall this year would be because uh, I got to see two amazing games in February. Is going to see um, Arsenal play this new Arsenal. I got to see my previous two games for Arsenal were during the beginning of the downturn against West Brom and against Man United. Both of them were wins, but the fans were only the wins papered over the toxicity of the fan base. Yeah, I got to go see even though it wasn't. The result I wanted. We got an apology for the PGMOL. Um, I got to see the Brentford game, guys. I got to meet some amazing people. Um, got to sit so close I could talk and Matt Turner could hear me just on pure luck. It was just a great um, experience to go see. Nice. And that actually, so you kind of tipped off. So I only got two things I'm thankful for because my question is, what are you thankful for? And that was one of my thankful fours. Gotcha. But I got to see live football this year. A lot of it. Great great stuff. What are your two favorites? Yeah. Um, I think one has to go all the way back to January uh, when uh, France played Argentina in the World Cup final. Probably the best game I've ever seen uh, in terms of uh, a final like that. Uncut Um, Amy Martinez and the celebration there. Yeah. in terms, and that was like the time that I was like, all right, that's what that's, Chelsea needs, Enzo Fernandez. Uh, I think people forget that he was the young player of the tournament of the World Cup, which if Messi's winning the Ballon d'Or off the World Cup, I feel like Enzo getting young player of the tournament deserves something then. Uh, but I didn't think killing Mbappe, I, I know he's world class. I know he's like the best player in the world at his age and, and all this, but to show up in a World Cup final when you're down 2-0 at halftime to turn it around and get a hat trick yourself to keep you guys in the game. Obviously, Kolo Moani played well. Um, 
I'm blanking the other guy. Oh, uh, 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 Thurum played well, but Mbappe stood out to me. I was like, all right, this guy actually, his ceiling is is insane. So uh, for me, the second game, uh, or the second thing, is when Napoli won the league uh, last in May uh, for Italy, the first time since Maradona was at the club. Uh, ironically, same year that he, well, uh, off the bat, same season that he passed away on, like Argentina winning the World Cup. It's just, it's a special city. Maradona's ghost was yeah. uh, smiling, dallying, Mufasa and the Lion King. Exactly. It's a it's a special uh, footballing city. It's not the best place to live in, obviously, but they're very passionate fans. And uh, to see Victor Oshiman and to see Kavicho, who also is a very very promising player who we're going to see in the, in the Premier League or some big, huge club uh, at one point in his career. Um, I thought that was very special. Although I'm more of a Milano fan, and I, and I like my boy Rafael Leao, Leao and Captain America, even though he wasn't at the club last season. And uh, not a patron saint, but an honorable mention uh, between Giroud us, Olivia Giroud and his for brother, sure, sure. Cro-Magnum Giroud. Exactly. And, <laughs> and Magic Mike Minion. I can't say his name. Minion. I don't know, dude. But anyways, uh, Napoli winning it for sure I thought was very special. I like that. You were giving in your moments. I was selfish because I got to be there. Yeah, no, I mean, if I, if I was able to go see a game in Europe, I'd probably put that top of my list. Don't don't worry about it. Your, your picks are very much valid. What are your stoppage time questions? I so mine to you is, yeah. what are you thankful for this year in football? We already covered one of mine, but let's go do, you can do three and I'll do two. Okay. What I'd say I'm thankful for in football is, one, I am thankful for Todd Bowley, our patron saint who kicked off this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, who was the inspiration. The, the inspiration for our name. I, I called him, you know, because we just have his phone number. I, I phoned him in. I was like, hey, man, what do you think our podcast be called? He's like, hey, man, I'm at the Dodgers Stadium right now. I can't talk. <laughs> I'm signing billion-dollar deals right now. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'd say Todd Bowley, I feel like he gets a lot of flack. Clear Lake Capital. <laughs> he gets a lot of flack for, for what he does at Chelsea and the project he's building. But I see the vision. Um, let's look back at you. What's what's yours? I'm thankful for signing Declan Rice to Arsenal. That's a good one. Uh, been one of your heroes for the season for mm-hmm. sure. Do you want to give some some more praise to my boy to, to Rice? I Just, almost said my boy. Yeah, I've heard a lot of Rice hate on the socials. I send them to you when I find them. Be one of them. Go ahead. Well, you just don't like Rice because you don't think he's handsome, but you do rate him as a football yes, baller. Yes, yes, you're right. Um, but it's just something where everyone's just trying to just down the signing that Arsenal overpaid. I think they overpaid, but I still think he's a hundred million dollar player. Yeah. Um, and the other players at your club assigned validate that he is a hundred million pound player. Um, I also just think the intangibles of him just, he's a captain and he's not being a captain on this team because we have our captain. Uh, I'm kind of cheesing this a little bit, but I am thankful for our other patron saint, uh, Mr. Huang Ki Chan, our Korean king. Uh, not Sonaldo, not Park Ji Sung, not uh, the guy who played for United. I'm blanking his and name. And Munich, too. They and have like a, a Korean defender who's yeah. really good. Oh, Kim Jae May. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's Huang Ki Chan. Uh, another uh, behind the scenes. Winning the Asian Cup, Korea. Come on. South Korea. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I don't, you would, would I don't want Kim Jong un coming after you. Sorry, sir. You have any chance to win this as well. Yeah. Uh, but uh, another background inspiration to it to us setting up this podcast and, and, and talking football with you guys. I got to go with my boy, Huang Ki Chan. Matt, what's your last one? Well, I just love that. To, to pivot after you, I'm not going into one Maya, but I just love that the week we started, Pep Guardiola didn't know the man's name. Yeah. And that's how he became one of our guys is because I didn't know his name either. And you did. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, he is really good. But um, back to me. So we did my number two. So I'm going to do my number three. And my number three is just the chance to work with you every week starting this podcast. Too, Us, we had planned on doing it at the beginning of the season. We didn't get to week eight or nine. We had some technical hiccups, but we got it up and running. And having to talk tactics with you, like I already went over my strengths I bring, I'm learning more about the tactical part of the game that I've always struggled with um, because I just struggle with tactics in general in any sport. Basketball is the one I understand the most, but I can't play it worth a damn. But um, I never was a front player. Um, I was more on the defensive sweeper and all that kind of stuff. So... Being learning the stuff from you and knowing what to look for and getting to spend time with you every week because we've been friends for years, but we maybe met three times before we've been doing this every week. Our friendship evolved from football, yeah. and um, I don't think uh, the outside world would understand that. Like 
this is a test season for us. Next season, we are going to be cracking down on mm-hmm. football where we are going to try and break down even for, not necessarily tactical-wise, but give the respect to other teams in the mm-hmm. league outside of just our own or the big six. Yeah. Or like the teams we picked up, like yeah. Luton and Bur- exactly. Bournemouth. And we're still uh, and we're still learning these other teams and their play styles mm-hmm. and how they're formatted and, and their funding. And we're going to have three new teams. Well, maybe not new, but they're teams There's going to be new teams. Yeah. New teams, but not like Leicester is probably going to make it up. I'm yeah. hoping an Ipswich does because um, <laughs> one of my dad's friends is an Ipswich fan. I That's grew cool. up close between Ipswich and Norwich when I lived in the UK the first time. And uh, my parents got to see Ipswich lift the FA Cup. That's awesome. They went to the parade. My dad went to the game. I would love to see them come back, just like Ed Sheeran. <laughs> Shout out Ed Sheeran. Yeah. Um, I'm with you, man. My boy, Ed Sheeran. Uh, this, <laughs> What's your last one? Yeah. Um, for me, man, it should have been you ending it, because now, now i got to I know. We got I, I didn't want to be all sentimental no. in regards to my last pick, but... Uh, you know what, let me let me do this. Enzo Fernandez. I've kind of already, already, already teased him a little bit I earlier. I you're going to say getting the hang of a Paco all the time. Yep. Remove Enzo Fernandez. Paco, Matthew's dog. <laughs> uh, Our third co-host who always watches us record. A uh, bit of good friend. Most dogs, you never know what you're going to get from him. Paco, the second me and him laid hands on each other, pause. Uh <laughs> The second we met each other, my apologies, uh, it turned into friendship. And, Pause. Yeah. <laughs> uh, same with me and Matt. But uh, Matt, we've had a special year uh, for the only few months that we've been doing this. But I uh, appreciate you and Paco giving me the hospitality of being here every week with you guys. To our friends at home who are listening across the world, whoever they are, uh, we hope you guys have a happy new year with you and your family and stay safe for next year. Matt, close us out. Live long, watch some football, lads. There's way too much of it on right now. Peace.